Hi, everybody. Greg's Garage Pod. Wait, let me do that again because I can't speak this morning. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. Loser. Presented by Bike911.com. You need some information. You need some legal stuff. Go check out Bike911.com. That's our boy Alex Asante. He's a motorcycle rider, former racer. He'll help you out. He'll steer you in the right direction. He'll be your guy. Bike911.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're out there in podcast land just thinking how sorry you feel for Jason Pridmore. That is Eagles. Got beat with nine mm. seconds left in the Super Bowl. Hi, Jason. How's your is up? Wednesday guy? Great. Great. Wednesday's good. Been a good week. Yeah, they had a little stumbling box Sunday. They, I love everybody talking about the one flag that was thrown at the end of the game. They lost that game before that. So, yeah, you can't really... Uh, can't take anything away from Kansas City. They did a good job, but it was it was fun. Had uh, I had Simon and David, and Simon and Vicky came up. David and Seth came up. Uh, David's kid and and Mache came up. So we had quite the crowd over here at the house watching the big game. I had to deal with Kolb's kid razzing me because he's a Chiefs fan. So I had I dealt nice. with that. Yeah, all right. Like hearing that. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's a shame. Did. He razzed me pretty good. Yeah, he did. He got me. I got to be honest with him. I was singing the song to him at the beginning of the game. And mm. it all kind of went Chiefs sideways. fighting song? Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, not that one. No. Um, but yeah, now uh-huh. got a got a little bit of a week, kind of a week off, but got a big week ahead starting Sunday. So jamming again, leaving again, Sunday to Sunday. And then, uh, and then before you know it, Daytona. Can hardly wait. Dude, before you know it, Daytona. This week's podcast, we're going to be talking about MotoGP Sepang test stuff. Boy, it already feels like it was a long time ago, doesn't it? But uh, there's yes. so much to talk about. We're going to talk some Supercross, Supercross Fantasy. And, of course, there's some Arai news coming up. If you'd like to support the channel because you like what we're doing here, we appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. There's always a cost associated with doing this podcast, mostly technology stuff. I mean, Jason's time is worthless, so it doesn't uh-huh. really matter that it he, is. he spends an hour and a half a week doing this. Um, there's a link in the in the podcast description. If you have it somewhere, you can click on patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. Uh, let's see. All right. Is that about it? So we should probably just jump right into the news presented by Arai. That's right. Let me see. What am I going to give you in store, Jason? Um... Hey, Jay, did you know that avoiding impact energy intrusion by sliding or glancing off surfaces and obstacles is a key role of a helmet shell requiring a strong, smooth shell? For this purpose, Arai handcrafts each shell to be as strong and light as possible with a high fiber to resin ratio of proprietary super fiber NZ resins. However, this process leaves a rough surface, which requires many steps to prepare it for a beautifully smooth surface without adding excess weight. Even though invisible, these details improve protection. That's Arai's obsession. Check out AraiAmericas.com. Pick what you like. Head down to your local dealer for fitment and grab yourself a new lid. AraiAmericas.com. I see you snapping photos over there, Pally. Was, yeah. People don't believe I know you. <laughs> Gotta take photos. <laughs> They're like, you're such a nice guy, Jason. Why would you Why would you be friends with that asshole? All right. Yeah, right. Moto America stuff, Jake. This yes. guy, James Raspoli and Hayden Gillum, are going to team him up on the Vance and Hines Harley Davidson team in Mission King of the Baggers this year. Your thoughts on that teaming? Great. I mean, I know it's been in the works. Hayden Gillum's going to be a busy guy this year because I know he's in the next part of your news as well. And I'm happy about it because, you know, 
we thought for a long time Hayden Gillum be- belonged in the paddock. He's, you know, I di- I'm not going to say he's the most one of the most underrated riders because I think he definitely is rated up there now. But, you know, my opinion, Hayden Gillum should be on a superbike somewhere. And, you know, he's going to be busy this year. He's going to have a lot of different championships. It sounds like he's going to be running for. So see how he gets on. And like you said, he's going to be on a GSXR of some sort for the Daytona 200, teaming up with Jeff May on the Disrupt Racing motorcycle. But I have no idea what GSXRs are on because they didn't mention it in their press release. Just great. I did notice that. that I was like, I was like, interesting. I'm, I, you yeah, know, maybe gonna be maybe they haven't decided. Maybe one's on a 750, <clears throat> one's on a 600. Who knows? But and there was a there was a photo of Jeff May on the M4 bike he rode. I think there last year. So I don't know if that mm-hmm. you know. The Suzuki side of it, I know that's what they're on, anyways. That team um, last year, that's what. But Hayden was riding in the thousand stock uh, stock thousand class, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But it's that definitely adds to the grid, doesn't it? It definitely does. More, yeah. even more Moto America news. Northeast Cycle Outlet Racing has announced that they're going to have CJ LaRoche and Anthony Maziato paired in Super Sport Championship aboard R sixes. What do you think about that? What happened to our boy? Yeah, I don't know where Ben Smith is, so obviously there'll probably be something coming out with that. And um, from Asiato, I mean, we've seen him ride 600s in the past and go very well on them. And, uh, and again, another guy that we lost, I think, for a year, a couple of years ago, and he's back in the paddock now. Um, and I think riding a, a super sport bike for, for Maz is going to be a good thing. And uh, also just broke a couple hours ago, Hayden Bickney's is going to be back. He's 16 years old, and he'll be racing a Cowie 400 in the Junior Cup Championship. Good to see the Show Me States Bickney's back in the paddock. Your thoughts? Yeah, great. Love it. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Wh- who's going to take that class this year? Who's going to go after the Junior Cup Championship? And, you know, we're going to have a lot of new winners again, G-Dub, and, and they're going to have to be pushing hard to look at the lap times that have been set down in the past couple of years two, three years, and that's what they're going to be racing against. But there'll be some new winners and and, uh, and a new champion. Yeah, and at least, like, I know we're going to have at least one R3 in the mix because MP13 is fielding that R3. What, what they do, whether it's a two-mil over kit or that GYTR kit, is is it's going to be interesting to see how that bike competes against those 400s as well. Uh, let's see. How about this? Royal The Royal Enfield Build Train Race Program is back in Moto America for 2023, but this time with mentor and coach Freddie Spencer. Your wow. thoughts on this, Jay, because uh, Freddie tweeted that his, his company, his racing company, is doing managing that, but he is still chairman of the board for the MotoGP thingy, Majiggy Bob. Mm-hmm. I was worried. I was wondering how that was going to work. I was like, oh, man, does it mean yeah. that he's not going to be doing the MotoGP stuff? But I read the same thing you did. He will be back there, which is great. And, uh, you know, having Freddie in the paddock is, is going to be a lot of fun for, for some of us, for sure. I've, I've had some really good uh, chances to speak with Freddie about things in the past. And he's always a really good guy to talk to. So having him there, mentoring um, those ladies is going to be it's going to be fun. Do they do five rounds, G-Dub? I think I'm so. I'm not sure how many rounds they do. I've still got to look and see. I'm still checking and looking at what rounds are, you know, what classes are racing at what what track, you know? Yeah, because it's definitely a lot different this year. But there is a kind of a schematic. I'll put it together, and I think yeah. uh, our production team is going to put it together, too. So we should yeah. have something. Have you know? an idea. 
Yeah, I'm happy to see Freddie back. I worked with him for years on the broadcast, so it'll be it'll be good to see Freddie again and, and catch up with him and see what he's up to. So we'll get to see how many races he actually gets to. That's going to be that's kind of what that tweet was. So the the tweet that he put out 18 hours ago from when we're talking is I'm very happy with my racing company. We'll take over the management of the World Enfield Build Train race held at Moto America races, blah, blah, blah. I'm also looking forward to new exciting MotoGP season as chairman of the stewards board of a panel. Mm. So, yeah. So I think it's a question of how many he's going to actually get to. If there's any conflicts with MotoGP, he won't be at a single one because I know being the chairman of that stewards panel, you know how it is now in MotoGP. If you fart, you get a penalty. So, you know, he's yeah. going to be there. It's a rough one. Yeah, that's it's yeah. It's if, tough you fart, if you fart and you're the lead bike in a draft, I'm sure somebody's going to complain about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough job. It's a tough job because they've, you know, like we've discussed many times, the more precedents you set at some of the ticky tack stuff that we've seen, the more they've got to stay to it. And it's, yeah, we'll see. All right, let's get to the nitty gritty, Jason. World Superbike has rejected the idea of having a combined minimum weight rider limit for the bikes in the premier class. So at least for 2023, from what I understand, it's still possibly on the table for 2024. Your thoughts on having a rider motorcycle minimum weight limit that's not a spec class that is superbike. Mm. You know, you GW, I'll, yeah. I'll say this, it's a little above my pay grade. I don't know. I mean, look, Yeah, but Jason, I, here's here's the perspective, okay? You raced at what? 172 pounds? 170 pounds around. You're six I, you're 6 feet tall. You're you're you you arguably are 25 pounds, 20 pounds heavier than probably the average racer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I raced at 185, 190, you know, around there. Plus, let's not forget, you're taller, which means mm-hmm. you use more leather, right? Which means your suit's heavier. You know, there, there, are, there are other things that go along with being tall. So I think, you're, I think whatever perspective you have is, is 100% valid in this situation. Well, there were definitely times when I wish I would have been Miguel's side. I used to follow Miguel mm-hmm. sometimes on super sport bikes and think, wow, you know, you could see obviously a, a super talented guy. If you get if you get two guys that are exact equal in talent, um, you know, like a Redding and a Batista, and they're both on the same bike, you got to think that Batista's bike is definitely going to get off the corners a little bit more, a little bit easier. It's such a weird thing, though. Like, I haven't. It would be interesting to talk to the top riders to see what they actually think if it would make that big of a difference. I don't know what kind of weight we would be talking about to throw on Batista's bike and and that kind of thing. Um, I just it's really weird, Greg. I'm on the fence on it. I really am. I think that making it fair would be nice uh, to to be able to accelerate off the turns. The Ducati distinctly has an advantage, right? As we know, just down straights and how it gets there and it produces its power getting off corners, maybe a little bit better uh, is definitely a huge disadvantage for those that are um, chasing him. But I don't know if it's uh, I could see how world Superbike would have a hard time pulling the trigger on that deal right now. Um, even though we're looking for some of the racing to be a little bit closer. Marco Simoncelli was always a kind of a larger rider. Right. Mm-hmm. His his advantage racing against a guy like Pedroza is on the brakes. He can scooch his weight back further on the bike and get deeper on the brakes. It's a disadvantage. Obviously, he's carrying weight into the corner. But the reality was in, in talking to some of the engineers back in the day in MotoGP, because we were doing a ton of them back then, was the fact that 
Danny Pedroza could grab the lever so hard that the rear end of the bike would come over the top of him, where mm-hmm. a guy like Simoncelli or Rossi could literally move their weight back in the seat motocross style and get yeah. deeper into the corner. So, you know, we've been through this. I mean, you know, I can bring up examples of Aaron Yates being able to win on a 600 super sport machine against smaller people. He won at freaking road America he where it was all about top too. speed. One Daytona. Yeah. you have Marco Simoncelli, you have Fritz Kling, you back in the day. Like, I just think that it feels like it's a knee jerk reaction to the fact yeah. that Bautista is in the paddock. And, and the thing is, is that Bautista is not going to be here for very much longer. When, Two more when, years, three more years. Maybe when you start talking about, Riders in the past, the thing that you got to take into consideration, G-Dub, is motorcycles have come such a long way that a lot of the advantages that certain riders would use and be able to use to their advantage um, have kind of gone away. You know, like the electronic side of things is has allowed you to be less subtle on the bike. Some of the advantages of being a bigger guy or a smaller guy, um, I think got taken away a little bit by the bikes themselves becoming so much better. Cause if everybody's kind of doing the same exact thing, then any kind of advantage that you might have to be able to use your size or weight, the only, play, the only time I really feel like now riders can really use their size to their advantage, meaning the bigger guys is sometimes they don't have to move around on the bike quite as much um, mm. because they're bigger. Mm-hmm. They can still load the bike the proper way. Some of the smaller guys have to put load through the bike in order to load the tires a certain way. So there are advantages and disadvantages. And I don't know, it would be interesting to talk to the world superbike guys and just sit them down and just ask them that one question. Would a weight limit help or hurt or whatever? And I'm sure you'd get a, a, a ton of different answers. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll touch base with Steve English and he can kind of, informally ask some people about it and get his opinion on it, you know, because they're off to Phillip Island. I mean, people are, are heading there, they're now, there now. You they, know, the thing is, is you yeah. could talk to Stimboli about this too, about the differences in riders and where guys like, I'm sure now when, when you get two riders that are together that, that say are brand new to a team, if you had two guys never ridden either bike uh, or never ridden for the team, but they're two new teammates you're going to see subtleties between the two as a bike gets developed and as crews and crew chiefs and data guys talk more with each other and get things more in alignment. You'll see that the writer's styles will start to get a little closer to one because they're going to be talking and sharing the same information. So it'd be interesting to get it from Stamboli of, you know, you take a guy that um, you, you, you could take a guy, you could even take a guy like me for an example, G-Dub, and the stuff that I learned that day riding that attack bike for the for the day that I had on it, I could overlay my data with Gagne and see what he was doing. And I wonder how big of a difference it would be if, if we both got on the gas the exact same time down to the end of the straightaway, mm. what the difference in weight would be. Because he's got to be 40 pounds lighter than me probably pretty easily, I would say. What do you think? He's probably 155. Mm. Yeah, I would say probably because he's tall. 155, 155 super 150, skinny. 155, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be just interesting to well, see. Well, the, the other, how the other, the out. other bit that I, the other thing that that I always think about too, Jay, is that you know life isn't fair. Yeah. And some people are born Pedroza size or Miguel size, and other people are born Aaron Yates size. You know. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like 
you know, to 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 take a manufacturer that's worked super hard, to take a guy like Bautista, who's in this case gifted, right? He's gifted 100%. as a small person. Yeah. He works yeah. his ass off to keep his weight down, all those kinds of things. Like on the archery side of things, I don't know if this is like this in golf. I would have to imagine that I would think that a longer shaft length of a driver would mm-hmm. probably create more club head speed, which means you could probably drive it longer. I don't know. But I can tell you this. In archery, we talk about draw length, okay? So that's literally the distance from your bow-holding arm to how far you can pull it back. If everything remains the same, and I have a one- or two-inch longer draw length than you, my mm-hmm. arrows are faster, meaning we're maxed out at our 60-pound limit. You know what I mean? Our arrows are the same weight. Whatever it is, the factors. And so when it comes to archery, I just have a, more of an advantage than someone. Like if I was shooting against Pedroza, his, his arrow is going to have to fly through the air longer and a longer uh, longer time and longer distance because he's going to have to arch more because yep. his arrow won't go the same speed, right? Yeah. That's the but other it's thing. Like, it's, but like, it's like, a, it's like to a, me, if you're, if you're Batista, you're penalized. If Batista is on a, I don't know. I mean, what, if he's on a Kawasaki, we don't have this problem, right? You know, I don't know. That's the hardest thing. We don't, we don't really know. And, and it's, it's like that in any sport, like you say, you, you're kind of, the body and the frame that you're built with, there's not a guy that's five foot nine in the NBA asking for extensions on his shoes to be six foot four, you know? Right. So, yeah. so that's just how it is. You're, you kind of, you're, you have what you're dealt with and you go forward and it's, hmm. <clears throat> I don't know how much a guy, and I don't know how much a guy like Scott Redding or Chaz or any of those guys were begging for a weight limit when they were on the Ducati, you know? So yeah, that's a good point. So anyway, the bait rate is on, so you know, yeah, we'll feel see. free to join us. You know, if you see us, have a conversation with us about it. If you want to, you know, social media us about your opinion, definitely do that. We'll move on from this topic, Jay, because this is, I love this really last cool. one. I love this last one. Have you already seen it? Well, no, or, this is something I used to always say that I would do with my dad. Like yeah. when I was a kid and I couldn't ride, I used to tell people all the time that I'd be able to tell them what track they're at. If back in my day, it was a tape recorder. <laughs> but I used to say, if, real, you put, like, a record, if you put a recorder on the tank of my dad's bike, I'd be able to tell you what track he's at. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, Repsol, box.repsol is the Twitter account. Um, they posted a video where they had Mark Marquez put on earphones and just listen to the sound of his bike. And he was going to guess the track. I pulled that clip off and I want you to listen to it. And the, the last track is the, is the, biggest one it's the most surprising one but so take a listen to this and then we'll talk about it after impossible eh?
Sad Sendrik. You know? Ah, tahu ikau. Una seca, claro, porque el, al principio digo Le Mans, pero porque la primera curva, pero claro, es al re, la primera curva de Le Mans es, es casi igual que la. Claro, jamás claro, claro. era no estaba en el mundial, no tenía la cabeza. All right, so obviously I don't really speak Spanish, so I didn't know what he said there, but what I think he was thinking about for the last clip was Laguna and Le Mans. I heard him mention Le Mans in there. But the, the thing is, man, no, two couple things. Number one, the exhaust notes are so different. And yeah. the fact that, dude, how long has it been since MotoGP has been to Laguna? And he picked it up pretty quickly. <clears throat> yeah, you don't forget, though. And that's what that's, you know, becoming really in touch with what you're doing on your bike is so crucial and so key. And I'm sitting there listening to those two with you, G-Dub, and I hadn't heard it. And I got the second two. Um, <laughs> the middle, the middle yeah. two? I got the middle mm -hmm. two. I got Saxon Ring and Mugello, even though I've never ridden either one of them. But... But the thing is, is that in your brain and in your mind, you kind of figure out, you know, what a bike sounds like. I always tell people that, you know, if there's a track that you've never gone to, that you've never seen, you can look at a track map and you can decide what corners are second gear corners or third gear corners or first gear corners or whatever. You can look at something like that. Um, but it doesn't shock me at all that a guy like him is that obviously in touch with what's happening there. You could put any track he's probably ever ridden and he's going to be able to do that, that little drill, especially if you give him a lap at each track, you know, where do you um, think the Laguna clip was? It kind of sounded like that was up the hill and then through the corkscrew to me, but it did because although you say that, but there was a lot of shifting initially, quick shifts up the front straightaway. I could kind of tell, but me too. Um, so it was either the front straightaway down to turn two or up the back. Yeah. So it's, Because up the back stretch, uh, up the hill, I think they're only going to be doing one up shift. Where on the front straightaway, it sounded like he was in low gear, oh, ripping that's through right. the gears. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and then there was that the drop of RPM, and then through that would have been like two into, into three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Okay. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, I just think it's a very cool thing, and it's um, uh, and it's it's something I, like I said, I used to mention in every one of the classrooms that I did that that's RPM management to me was everything. That's how I was taught how to ride a bike, and so that's. You know, it was it was always a huge key. So, um, and that's a great segue into our next little spot here, G-Dub, because as we know, Mark Marquez and the crew were at Sepang this last week for three straight days. And man, I don't even know where we uh, where mm -hmm. we start. Let's talk about Marquez right off the bat. First off, it's nice because it sounds like physically, it sounds like he was okay. Uh, like it was probably the most healthy he's been, which I think for all of us, that's a huge sigh of relief in the sense that maybe this guy is going to be able to come back this year and fight for a championship. Now, the motorcycle he's on, as far as fighting for a championship goes, still doesn't seem that it's quite up to snuff, does it, G-Dub? It seems like it's no. a little yeah. bit down. And when you look and see what they actually did, did you see where they ripped all the wings off it and they went back to a bike with no wings? Oh yeah. So so it's it it's that to me was probably one of the biggest things that I read because it sounds like they're stripping it down again to like okay, here's what we started with 2 3 years ago, whatever. Here's what we had. Here's the direction we went. Here's how we added our arrow. Here's how we did or added whatever it is we need to add. 
And it sounds like they're almost just starting completely fresh. Well, that is the influence of, of Ken, the, the, the new engineer from Suzuki. He, and and Mark had kind of said this, honestly, Jay, it it sounded from some of his comments that Mark was a little bit pissed that he felt like it was a bit of a waste of time because he kept saying like, I'm not putting any ideas into engineers heads. I'm just here to give feedback. And it was almost like someone told him to keep his mouth shut. You know what I mean? Like, but in terms of like saying, well, I think we need more rebound or we need more compression, those types of things, as opposed to saying it won't just won't go through the corner. So it's a whole concept thing. And I think that the, the new engineer from Suzuki is trying to figure out what's what Honda's up to what is what's mm-hmm. their mindset what are they trying to accomplish and that's the reason why they ended up going through all that kind of that kind of weirdo stuff it, i agree with you 100 percent. it's great that marquez is feeling fit we've talked about this on the on our podcast for two years yeah that this is the first time in three seasons that he's been healthy in the off season so honda's been on their back foot for for really if you look at it for three years without development of their A rider. And so this yeah. is so critical to get this good information because, you know, you you can't have your development team do all the work for you. You need guidance from the people that race the damn motorcycle. Now, yeah. Yeah. if you want to, Chris Pike, who, you know, has on, on, um, on Twitter put together a ton of data on this stuff, Jay. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the test, so what we do know is at the end of the day, the test itself, after combined, it was like Luca Marini was the fastest. He goes 57.8. The track record's 57.7 by Jorge Martin in qualifying. So 57.8 was fast. Pecco Bagnaya was second. He did a 57.9 the first time he's ever done a 57. So even though he was P2, he comes off smiling. So Luca Marini, though, has been the star since, you know, Valencia test. He was P1, he, P1 here. But mm-hmm. Maverick Vinales was P3 on the Aprilia, then Bastianini, Jorge Martin. So basically, look, the top nine positions are all Italian, okay? It's all Ducati and Aprilia until you get to Mark Marquez, who is in 10th yeah. spot. But Jason, you know better than anyone from your experience on Vance and Hines superbikes back in the day and so on, on Ducatis and stuff, that uh, an outright lap time isn't the story. So if you go and you look at the average lap time per day and the average lap time for the accumulated three days. Yeah. It's Peco Bagnaya at a 159.2. Jorge Martin is second at a 59.3. Then you have Luca Marini, but Maverick Vinales had the average fourth fastest average lap time over three days at a 59.5. Then Bedzecki, then Bascianini, then Quartararo. Yeah. But here's, here's the telling sign, Jay. Let's go top speed. Average top speed, right, for all. And these are these are taking out, like, in and out laps, right? So these are actual laps. Yeah. 332K for Bagnaya, right? 331 for Jorge Martin, 331 for Marini, 331 for Vinales on the Aprilia. Yeah. 32 for Bedzecki. 30, 31. Fabio Quattararo, average top speed, 330K. Yeah, he is average. He was only 1.7 down on the Ducati. It's a lot better for him. That's got to be looking up. And, you know, now you talk about the Yamaha. Sounds like they're struggling with that one lap pace, which is qualifying, which we saw what that did to the Suzuki riders over the last couple of years. Exactly. Yep. You know what I mean? Like if you can't get if you can't get yourself up on those first two rows, you make your day, your race day a lot harder. Um and even in that sprint race that they're going to have on the Saturdays that we'll get into as we do more podcasts. But 
I think that that qualifying is such a key thing that even at these even at these tests, it's so important to go down and throw down a fast lap. And doesn't sound like some of the riders did. The riders that generally didn't throw down fast laps at a test like this are the ones that are still searching for. I was still searching for a race setup, you know, Greg, I think that, mm-hmm. that a lot of guys would be like, there's no sense in me throwing in uh, a tire at this thing right now. If I have no race setup. So you, you look at guys like Miller who didn't really put down a fast lap on the KTM. Um, where is he going to be at? What about Rins and Mir? I mean, on the Hondas, they were really nowhere. Um, and when I say nowhere, GW, I think they were about a second off, which best to best, but I think overall average wise, they were quite a bit way a ways back. There are definitely question marks. I thought Oliveira did an amazing job um, on that Aprilia. He was always up at the top for the majority. And then I don't know about his one lap pace. Um, But there's just so many things to uncover from this test that they're back on track again at Portimao, I think. And that's really where the decision's got to be made, I think, after the Portimao test. Isn't that right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And and that's like, what, two weeks away or something? I don't know when it is. I think it's a couple weeks away. So... There'll be a lot more stuff coming from that. Um, Jorge Martin, I think, is going to be the guy with with Bastianini and Bagnaia. It Look, I still think it's going to be a Ducati year. I don't think anybody's going to get near them. I think that the Aprilias are going to throw their shots in there. Uh, Vinales, again, was quick at a test, but how is that going to translate into a race uh, scenario? Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting week. It's going to be even more interesting to see what these manufacturers do after they compile all the information from this test and take it to the next track. Like Marquez said, he's not even going to make really any big yay or nay comments until after the Portimount test. He'll really have an idea of where he's at. And GW, you got to remember one thing. If this guy's unhappy, if he's unhappy and he still has the desire to win, um, there's going to be a little sweepstakes coming up for that guy, you know, moving forward, I think at the end of the year. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to hear a lot of backup, Beepers. Beep, beep. Well, and I tell you, Honda rolling Honda, right up to his. Honda and stuff has got to be freaking out about that. Like, where are they right this second without Mark Marquez? That's the big question. And yeah, it's a, well, it's let, let me ask you this, scenario. Jake. Let, let's say, I know this is a kind of a whack question, but let's say that we are midway through the season and Honda mm. is showing signs of improving. They're moving in the right direction, you know, but Mark is still finishing, you know, he gets his thirds. You know, he's on the podium, maybe fifths he's struggling with, whatever. If you're Mark Marquez, do you want your legacy to be tied with Repsol Honda forever? Or do you think it's time for him to sample new waters? I'm saying if he if he doesn't see improvement, I, I you know, there's no question, right? Like, why would you hang around? The guy, all he cares about is winning. But if you're in that situation where you see things are moving, you see that the Suzuki engineers and mechanics that came over are having an impact or changing stuff, what do you think you would do in that situation if you were Mark Marquez? It's an interesting one. He's always going to be a Repsol guy. That's that's he's been that since he was a kid. And I think even if he was to move on and ride something else for a couple of years, it's like that player that plays for a certain team for 15 years, moves on, plays somewhere else for two years, but goes into the Hall of Fame as the team that he played the most years with. It's one of those type of deals, I think. But I think if they're showing actual improvements, then he'd stay, I would reckon. I think that there is loyalty there and there is, you know, obviously he's got a lot of people within that, that family. I, you know, GW, it's a hard one because as you get older, you start to, I think no matter what, as you get older, your priorities change in life. And in general, he has seen two other guys in Rossi and Lorenzo both kind of go out 
even though they're, you know, top five ever, they kind of went out not the best. Will Marquez go out that same way? How long is he going to be around for? Does he want a shot at jumping on what he might think is a superior bike just to go show everybody that he could still win? There are so many so many questions to answer. So I think does he win one more title and drop the mic? I mean, there's you know what I mean. But yeah, like yeah. this year, this year I think you know when you look back at last year, Bagnaya as great as he rode, Yamaha and Quattararo really threw that championship away with six rounds to go. They were still in the catbird seat, and then just a bunch of unfortunate circumstances led to their demise and. This year, I think if you're Marquez on the Honda, you've got to re-strategize how you're going into the season. You heard him talking about last year about how being on the podium is a key. Being top five each one of these race weekends is going to be huge for that bike and that team because if he can stay there in that top five or six without hurting himself and be able to collect points and try to get the bike better each week um, or throughout the year, that's going to be key because I think he'll still win a few races um, but they've got to make a big step on that bike. And I guarantee you having them strip that bike down of all its arrow and going back to just a regular bike with no wings, that is the, that's the rebuild from the ground up. I wouldn't be surprised to see them show up with some crazy new arrow direction when they get to Portimo. All right, let's talk about that Yamaha in a little bit more detail because obviously they have more top speed, which is what Quadraro wanted. We don't feel like that necessarily the top speed is, I feel like the top speed is completely unlocked because they don't have the bike set up. The thing is, is that more, more of anything creates problems, whether that's more motor, more grip, faster lap times, right? More speed, whatever. It always creates a problem. The question I think that I have is, is Yamaha going to be able to sort this out? When we saw Suzuki make a jump from last year from 2021 to 2022, they struggled initially, and it took them most of the season to kind of figure it out. Then all of a sudden, Renz went on a tear. It's more motor, the, you know, that you lose some of the handling characteristics, you lose whatever, whatever. The thing is, do you think that there's, with the way the season is now, 21 races, is there time to figure it out? Yeah. Boy, right. The so riders need a bit of a yeah. break. And yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be a grind. Greg, for those guys this yeah. year, I think uh, it's going to be, this could be the kind of year that sets the precedent moving forward of if they decide to cap a number of of Grand Prix that these guys are actually going to run. 21, 22, is that what it, 21 is it? 21, 21. and they run two races at each one of those. Um, uh, there's just going to be a lot of moving. Now everybody goes, oh yeah, but World Superbike's been doing two forever. I get it, but they they're also going to what, like 10 rounds? 10 rounds, maybe uh, 21 11. rounds is it 11, 10 or 11 rounds anyways. But I mean, this is double that, you know, and it's man, just keeping up with product as far as crash damages and getting the product and resourcing. Mm. That's, it's a big year. It's a really, really big year. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes on and, and what they do as far as all that goes. By the way, if you're a KTM slash gas gas fan and you look at this test, you're in trouble. I mean, the fastest of, of those four riders was Brad Binder. He was in 17th place. His average top speed rank was 18th. Then you have Paul Esparga right below him. You have Raul Fernandez, who was a rookie on the Aprilia. He was down with those guys, but you got to give him a pass. I mean, at least he broke into the 59s. And then you have Augusto Fernandez, and you have Jack Miller, who was the only person Jack Miller was average faster than was, was Nakagami. And... 
You know, I think if you, if you look at Nakagami's times, what held Nakagami back the most in terms of just looking at this average over three days was the fact that he only did a 202 on, on the first day. You yeah. know, he ended up going two minute flat point four, two minute flat point two as his average on day three. That was, that's, those two are, are much faster than Miller went. So this average gets dragged down, but that's where I'm concerned about it. And, and, you know, Jason, you learned a long time ago, you know, from uh, an awesome crew chief that one of the ways that you can predict a race is go look at people's average lap time over their, over their practice, you know, over their practices and say, what type of speed do we think they can get? Because, you know, it's not like you can, and this is the thing I'm talking about Yamaha. Jay, if you're doing whatever, let's just say pick 130. If you're doing a one minute, 30 second lap time, and all of a sudden you find yourself as in the race of doing 129s or 128 and a halfs, when have you ever had a bike that works really good at 130 and works really good at 128.5? Yeah, it's amazing. The window that you have to get in to get your bike to work the way you want it to. It's why I tell so many people at the racetrack that if you're used to going out and doing minute 55s and it's cold on a morning and you're out there doing two minutes or 59s because your confidence is a little down because of the cold or whatever, don't come in and start making a bunch of adjustments to your bike because you're going to set it backwards again. And, you know, I learned those things, you know, back when, when we were racing G-Dub, we didn't have the resources that, that we have available to us now. So for me, when, when split times started to come out for us, when we started to be, have, have the ability yeah, yeah. to have split times, it was a way for me to gather information and, and the way for me to gather information and then plan a race, I would try to plan certain things. If I saw certain trends, I knew certain riders and I knew who was good for how long and whatever, but you could really see there were certain guys that I thought that when you look at their lap time from qualifying, that they'd be able to run those kind of lap times the whole time because it's just who they were. Um, but, but then there was other guys. So you could plan things a little bit more. And now there's an abundance of information available to people that they can see things. So, yeah, yeah uh, I think the, K, the KTMs and stuff, man, it is, it's hard to watch, you know, you see Miller come from the what is arguably the best bike, best team in the paddock at the moment and go to this team now and, you know, I'm sure Brad Bender's sitting over there thinking to myself, "Yes, it's it's a little bit more difficult to run this side of things, you know." So, um, you know, that couple guys I was impressed with though, I was definitely impressed with Oliveira this test. I thought he did good. Paul Sparger was really fast. And a couple of the, like the beginning of the days and stuff, he would get out there and lay down lap times that were pretty fast initially. Um, so I thought Paul Spargo did well. Some of these guys have a way of tricking you, don't they? Like you go, oh, maybe this is it. Paul Spargo's happy again now. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just don't know. Same with Oliveira. Vinales is all happy. Bike's great. Life is wonderful. You know, and then he'll go finish 13th at the first race. So you go, you know, but it's going to be. Can you, Matt, can you believe he be said in his interview, like, if this is the way it's going to be, I'll be fast. And I was like, ooh. All right, so everybody latches onto that, and that's the headline. Vinales says he'll be fast. It's like, yeah, he'll be fast oh at God, ten of yeah. the twenty-one. Right? Yeah, we're we're gonna see. We are gonna see for sure. So you 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 can't have years of this inconsistently up and down. You're unstoppable in one race weekend, right. and you're fifteenth in another race weekend, and all of a sudden it miraculously disappears. Correct. And I I hope that Vinales proves me wrong. I'm I'm a fan. You know, I love like his helmet designs and things like that. But when it, but he's frustrating, he's frustrating to be a fan yeah. of because yeah, it's he's sure. hard to root for week in and week out. Too. It's, yeah. it's rough. 
Yeah. And then you or, just, you got guys like Nakagami, Morbidelli, guys that just weren't really even spoke of during this test, you know, that are just, yeah, you know, Morbidelli was kind of running the same times as Quartararo. He was out there, you know, grinding out the laps. You saw Crutchlow was out there grinding out the laps prior to them getting there on the Yamaha. Have you ridden Sepang? I have not. No, me either. And on the video game, I can't stand it. So the next, the next test is going to be more, I think of what you're going to, you know, it's, it's a European style of track and Port you're going to, yeah, we'll see more of what happens, I think. So that that's yeah. going to be pretty exciting, but racing did happen over the weekend. It was super cross. So let's go ahead and go through some of those results. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a surprise for some people, not after I think looking at qualifying and practices, but just in general, Cooper Webb ends up coming from behind chases down chase Sexton and, Blew him away. Six-second victory for Cooper Webb. Aaron Plessinger goes P3 on a great but lonely ride for him, but it was all about that start and maintaining. Ken Roxon ahead of Eli Tomac. Jason Anderson got into it again with uh, with Barsha. Cooper in seventh, Barsha in eighth, Savachi in ninth, Christian Craig rounding out your top ten. The point situation looks like Cooper Webb has has the lead by three points over Chase Sexton. And Eli, is that right? No, I thought I thought Eli still. No, led, Eli. But... Eli's got one thirteen. Chase has got one eleven. Sorry, that was the that was the other thing. And then and Coop's right there in third. So there's like whatever it is, like four points separating the the top three. What did you see from Supercross this week? Well, it's funny because it's you know I forget who I who I was texting during the race, but they're like you know Ricky's pretty difficult on Chase at the moment. Maybe it was you that said it. Like the guys. However many times champion, he can be critical because that's his job in the booth. I get, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Wasn't that you that said that? Was that, in a, was yeah, that it was one me, of our yeah. texts? Right? Yeah, it yeah. was me. And I, I thought that's very poignant. But the thing is, is that what people have to remember about Chase Sexton is not all is lost. He's putting it on the podium every week. Yeah, he kind of blew this race as well. But, dude, these guys are on a knife edge. And he went through the whoops, got a little off-centered, fell over. He handed the win to Cooper Webb, but what's great is he's still right there. He's every week, and he's gonna get. He's gonna figure out the mental side of it, G Dub, like like being able to put it all together and win these races. He's gonna win a ton of Supercross races in his time. Will Chase Sexton. So I I'm really not that discouraged by the fact that he gave one up here. Yeah, it sucks, but he's gonna learn from that. And it'll make him better. This was the first race of the year where we saw Eli Tomac turn into that guy again, that's all of a sudden just not anywhere close. 31 seconds back. Um, he was half a second off the fastest lap of the race. All night long, it just never really seemed like he got where he wanted to be. Some of it, I think, had to do with conditions and his post-race stuff. He's like, you know, it was kind of wet. It was kind of slick. It was, it, you know, setup-wise, you know, even at the end of the race, he said, we actually learned something from tonight, which was good. Um, but again... There's no reason to panic. Guy finishes fifth. He's getting good starts. He just had an off night there. And the guy that you've got to be nervous about, though, is Cooper Webb because he's just kind of been there from the start of the season. He grinds it, man. He does not make mistakes. He runs a little different lines than most. He he applies pressure and puts pressure on, and people know that he's that guy that doesn't make a lot of errors. So the fact that he won and that he's winning is bad news for everybody else, I feel. Um, but it's definitely going to come I, down to those three. I like the booth this weekend. I thought adding uh, James Stewart into the mix was a really good blend. I well, thought he and Ricky worked off each other. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That was a lot but, of fun. Yeah. But the thing that they brought up too, I thought, which was really good is when Coop gets that 1.5 seconds behind, he's just chilling. And he did allude yeah, to that fact. Right. 
he just he's hanging back and he's he he knows how to manage a race. I mean, he just goes, you know, it's it's that old deal where like we see it in AMA Superbike, right? First first three four laps are hectic, and then you settle down in the middle to your pace, save that energy, and then push those last five laps. We yep. didn't get to see what Cooper actually had in the tank, what he was going to be able to do because Chase Sexton kind of gave it away in the whoops. But as we move to the 250 class real quick, Jay, mm-hmm. Hunter Lawrence ends up beating Nate Thrasher wow. by 0.1 of a second. Okay, last corner, last lap, yada, yada, yada. Okay, Nate Thrasher got out to a lead. He ended up leading every lap. He led every pretty much corner to the last one. <laughs> did you watch it right? did you watch it yeah well, oh yeah i watched the shit oh. out of it yeah it was it was it was so it was great and heartbreaking at the same time right so but the but the question i have for you nate thrasher chase sexton oh yeah dude, that's so totally funny you're different. gonna you're dude this is so weird you just did this to me again because i was gonna say the same thing <laughs> to you we do this a lot me and greg I don't know if it's good. Then answer the question. Us, you know, is it the same category? Is it the same feeling? I, dude, don't you feel like the Thrasher thing is way worse than the Sexton thing? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, the guy is leading. He's out front. The worst part about that race, racing Supercross to me, would be the fact that when your pit board goes from plus four to plus three to plus two to plus, and and you can hear the crowd screaming at the guy catching you like it's almost got to be really hard not to get a little bit flustered right i would think because nate thrasher did everything on that last lap that he had some back markers he had to get through there were a lot of little distractions and things um but the fact that he didn't close the door on that last tight right hander no matter what he should have creeped around the inside of that never given what's his name a chance nate thrasher i don't even know who nate thrasher i don't know him I mean, when I say I don't know him, I don't know him um, personally. But that guy, I promise you, has thought about that last lap 10 times in his brain since that night. And this will make him better. It'll make him more aware. He won't let that happen again. That that sinking feeling in, that must have been in his stomach when when he realized he wasn't going to get back past uh, Hunter before the line had to be crushing. Um, I feel bad for the guy, but it'll make him stronger. It'll make him better. But that's the thing. It will or it won't, right? And if 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 don't you feel sometimes that young riders need something like this to happen to them? I mean, Hunter's Lawrence, who won the race, is young. But you get yeah. like I think back to road racing and I think back to uh Sonoma race, whatever the hell it's called now, Sears Point at the time. And I'm pretty sure that Aaron Yates was leading a race and Maladin stuffed him like last lap, last corner. Miguel did it to Zemke, who had a two second lead on the yeah. last lap of a superbike race. Um, you know, there there's been there's there's probably been 15 different times where I can think a young rider who was on the cusp of winning got stuffed, lost it, and they either responded and then ended up being a championship or they didn't. And this right. is the thing that Nate Thrasher thing is worse to me in one way, mm-hmm. but then on the yes. other hand, the Chase Sexton thing is worse because this is a pattern for Chase. With Nate this is this could be a one-time learning experience type situation. He's yeah. going to figure out lap traffic. He's going to figure out not to say lap traffic at post-race, co- you know, press conference, whatever. And that's going to be that. And he's going to be, like you're saying, a much stronger writer. I don't know him, but I'm hoping and I tend to think just from listening and his demeanor in post-race that he's going to figure it out. Yep. Like Chase is I, a pattern. And that's why um, Ricky's blown his top. Yeah, like the Chase thing. And I get it. I get that he's... I mean, 
in Ricky's position, that's his job. That's what you, that's, that's what we get hired to do is to be able to come in and not necessarily point criticisms, but give people a perspective of what it takes and how hard it is to win these races. And you got a guy like Cooper Webb that doesn't make mistakes. See the narrative, Greg is almost like these guys have to know what each other's tendencies are always like, Chase knows stuff about Eli. Eli knows stuff about Cooper. Cooper knows stuff about, and you know, you got to think that Cooper Webb's MO is the guy is a grinder. He gets better as the race goes on and he doesn't make mistakes. When you have those type of three things as your narrative, it does put pressure on people. And the fact that Chase made a mistake again, which was a shame, um, these are, this is something that he's going to have to work through and, and get past. The one thing I used to drive me crazy that I'd always hear Supercross guys say, um, and I hear it sometimes from road racing guys too, is that they were leading and they started to tighten up. And I always think to myself, these guys are all get we all we all get hired to win races. That's what you get hired to do. I would never actually say something publicly like that because I'd always think about what my employer would be thinking of. If I was to say that, oh yeah, I was leading and I got tightened and tightened up and I ended up finishing fifth, I'd always think to myself, if I said something like that, they're gonna eventually you're you don't want your employer to lose faith in the fact that you don't that you can't win, right? Or your or your future employer, even or worse. Your future employer. You've got to be able to be somewhat headstrong and go, hey, I'm gonna learn from these mistakes. You know, I'll put this together. I wanna win so bad that I'll put this together. And Sexton will. Like Sexton still, you know as far as the championship goes this year, it's going to be one of those three, isn't it? It's going to be Cooper or it's going to be Eli or, or Sexton. Yep. And Sexton's the kind of kid that could go on a serious run. He could go on and win three or four races in a row, especially if he gets past this little issue. He's been fastest on weekends, fastest qualifiers, winning heat races. He's just got to like get that, that, that 20 minute moto in and two laps. So, yeah. Hmm. Um Interesting. Yeah, uh, Supercross this week, G-Dub. I think they head off to uh, – don't they go back to Oakland this week? Yeah, the poor guys. They, they go, go back from Tampa to Oakland, to Oakland and then they go all the way back to back east or they go to Texas or something. Like it's yeah, – unfor- this is wild. the makeup. This Oakland is the makeup round for the That's rain. That's right. From round <laughs> Excuse me. three, yeah. two, three, two, three. Yeah, something like that. Well, what? G-Dub, as yeah. the weekend went – uh-huh. Of course, we cannot forget about our Pulp MX Fantasy that we've got. Why would we? Yeah, We can't forget about it. And even though I'm mm-hmm. not up front, my name you is kind of up front. I kind of am. Oh, BJP43. I'm Holy proud of you. Shnikes. I'm very proud, proud of, you. of you. Very, very yep. proud of you. Out front at 1183, you got a four-point lead over Rotten. And then Tay Belts is there in third, doing a nice job over uh, – Racer Russ, who's in fourth, they're all very close, though, G-Dub. And rounding out the top five right now, PM 140. It looks like DJ's up to ninth. Uncle Skip mm-hmm. is 11th. A couple of people that obviously that we know. Uh, Gilbert's 18th. Um, I had another really good weekend, though. I'm not going to lie. I wish that I wouldn't have missed that that one week, G-Dub. I just blew that one week because I'm not having a bad bad year. Uh, 238 points is a good is a good haul, dude. Seriously. And I did that with seven guys, and I've moved myself back up, I think, into – where did I end up? I'm 65th now. Mm. So I've moved myself back up to 65th. And uh, did you miss this last week? No, you did this last weekend. No, no. It was the fir- this is the first week I actually broke 200 points, which oh, was – Oh, very nice. 
Um, I, nice. and I don't know. Did I actually make it on the page two? Maybe. Um, um, let's not get too carried away. Yeah, that'd be a little ridiculous. It'd be it? a little bit. Yeah, it looks like you're. Uh, yeah, you're on the third third page. I just saw Wait, you. I am I on I page four? You. There you are. One twenty-five. Gw. You're one hundred twenty-fifth. Oh, I, 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 that's big moves. Big, moves. big moves. Big moves. I, think but I was into like 140 something. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked that we've, you know, got the people that we've got involved in all this stuff doing it with us. And um, BJP43 right now has been around a while. So maybe, maybe it's their turn. Look, we want to remind we want to remind yeah. you that, of course, BJP43, who's in top position, but this isn't until the end of the year, that. There are prizes for playing with us in the Greg's Garage pod here at Pulp MX Fantasy. The link to the uh, uh, whatever, the league, our league, is in the description. However, if you win, you get yourself a brand new Arai helmet. You get a set of Dunlop Q5 tires. Those are great, unbelievable track day tires. Jason and a bunch of people have ridden them, including they've been on super bikes, by the way. Yeah. Um Second place is going to get a set of Dunlop Q5s for you to put on your bike or maybe even give away as a gift. Third place will receive a set of Dunlop Q5Ss. Those tires are, of course, based off of the Q5, but just a little bit more street-worthy and still wicked grippy. So if you're someone who likes to calve canyons or even calve, maybe... Uh, in, yeah. Dude, you like to calve the canyons? Calve the you know canyons. I mean? Yeah. Great. Hey, by the way, do we know if uh, Tom Brady's signing a one-day one deal? With the New England Patriots so he can retire a Patriot? I don't know. Do we, do you do know? we care? Of course we care. Okay. Listen, at the end of the day, you know as well as I do, dude's a goat. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And I know you have mad respect for people that are at the top of their game. I do. Not to mention you had a good run with Giselle, and she's an earner. All right? She's, she's, she earns an earner. As much, she's an earner. She earns twice as much as he does per year. It's over now. I understand that. All right? Now you have to imagine that Tom Brady's picture – is probably hanging up as customer of the month at the free clinic, right? Yeah. That's what I would think. Getting his yep. penicillin shots. It probably is. Yeah, exactly. I got one for you. Hit me. Did you see MJ's turning 60 this Friday? No. No Crazy, kidding. Huh? Yeah. I didn't actually I didn't actually realize he was that close to us in age. 60. Hmm. I can't even believe it. What are you gonna do? Just, what you gonna, hey, gonna what are you gonna do? A, what do no, we, I'm actually, gonna do? I, send him a cupcake? I, gonna send him a yeah, cupcake you know, card, right? I don't want to drop names, you know. I'm going to go down there during uh, oh, now during, Flor- during Florida week. I'm going to go down and play some Daytona. Golf. So I'm pretty excited about that. Are you going to go to Supercross during that that week? Are you going to be out there the week before? Or you no? know, I will be. Uh, I'm going to be. I got to go down there a week early, so mm-hmm. I might go to Supercross on that Saturday night, just depending. Um, then again, it's so easy to watch on TV. So it's so easy to watch on TV. But you I'm go gonna, to the Ale House, literally be outside the speedway yeah, no and do what we do Saturday nights. Yeah. We'll see. We're, we'll where see what's are up. They? I wonder where they are when we're in Daytona. I'll be uh Indy or Atlanta or somewhere like that, maybe. Oh yeah, okay. So that's nice because at least it's where a did bit we of watch it? Because we watched them. You and I got done. I remember last year, G Dub and I, it was so funny because where we're staying, I think we're at the same place this year, is that right? With the same Holiday Inn Express? I think so. I can't remember where Larry has us, but the thing is, is that it was so cold and raining the whole time we were there last year. How we got that race mm-hmm. in, I don't even know, which I was happy about. But G Dub and I got out of the out of the booth. It was dark by the time we got out. If you remember, we were going to go. We went across to the TV truck for twenty minutes, and then 
we went across to the ale house and we had our own little table and we had super cross going and the place was packed. Next thing you know, our table was like, we had so many people coming by. It was awesome. That was so much fun. We had a really good good time. time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but hopefully the weather will be a little bit nicer for us this year. I'm excited for Moto America being back down there again. I really am. Me too. The high banks of Daytona. All right. Here's the deal, folks. What are you doing next week, JP? So I'm leaving Sunday. I'm going to go to Button Willow with Let's Ride Track Day Sunday, Monday. Then I'm ripping over to Chuckwalla, where I'll be there for Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday through Sunday there for the races and all that at Chuckwalla. So be there okay. with Dale's Days at Racer's Edge. But like you said, you you might have something going on next week. I think we should surprise the people with that. If uh, All right, we'll surprise them with it. But w- one thing I will tell you is next week, it is World Superbike Preview because we are getting road racing underway, ladies and gentlemen. Phillip Island at the Grand Ridge Brewery Australia round. I, and I know I didn't say that right with the accent, but that is happening to 24 through 26. So we have this weekend coming up and it's the following weekend. I mean, we're we're only a week and a half away from the end of February already, man. That's Gnarly. so crazy. So mm-hmm. crazy. It's uh it's gonna be good. Phillip Island is like the place too. Mm-hmm. I've been watching some Australian Superbike Championship. They've been putting it on TV here. I don't know if you've been getting it, but no, where I watched all the 2022 season opener at Phillip Island last year. So I got to, I've been watching it the last couple of nights and, um, I don't know why it just started. I just started getting it on my, on my TV. So cool. It's just Phillip Island. It's just so good. It's just so good. So, so good. uh, I'm going to be jealous watching all those guys ride around down there. So we will, um, we will start giving away some Moto America live plus subscriptions as well. We'll give away some codes to some people, coming up in the next couple of weeks. I was hoping to have the list by this podcast, but I should have some stuff for the next podcast for sure. Um, there's still a sale going on. I think, uh, you know, go to motamerica.com and check out what's going on. I think it's still a little bit of a sale. If you want to wait, take the chance. We're going to figure out how to pick it. We'll probably pick it based off of people that participate in either the Pulp MX podcast or possibly even our MotoGP podcast, which we got to get. Or uh, our fantasy, I mean. We got to get MotoGP fantasy up and rolling again because it's it's right around the I corner, just, too. I just got an Uncle Skip email. I know. That's what made me think about it, actually. So did I. I just got Talking an Uncle about, Skip email about about it. But you're excluded because yeah, you, you didn't get in last year. You were blowing it Oh, off. well, why am I still on the list? I don't know. You're kicked mm. off, though. You're out. Yeah, that's fine. I don't really care. Your laziness. It couldn't have, could not be an easier fantasy. My focus one. is on the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore yeah, fantasy league. All right, not Uncle Skip's fantasy league. Jeff White's when, gonna, Jeff I'll tell you White's what. I tell you what. Wait, next wait, time wait, I see you, why don't I just hand you twenty dollars? And actually, you know what? On our on our on MotoGP fantasy, owe me that pretty anyways. well. Hmm? Probably owe me, you probably owe me that anyways. Twenty dollars. What what kind of Jeff White updates do we have? Oh, for freaking the love of God, Jeff White. You you people out there in Chuck Walla tried to convince him to start racing his motorcycle to so to spend I don't even know what three thousand dollars to go out and race twelve laps or something. Us people, so I talked great. I talked, yeah, people. yeah. You 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 bunch of. So I talked him out of that, but he will be. I think he's skipping Chuck Walla this month, and he'll be back out April seventh. The question is, why do you care where he spends his money? Uh... <laughs> If everybody could see Greg's look right now, I, I did I stump I'm you? Not, kind I'm of? not telling you. No, I'm not. No, you kind of look like you're a little bit stumped. No, 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 no. Like you know, look in the early days of Greg's Garage TV, 
on YouTube. All right. Jeff White was the number one uh, Patriot. Contributor. He, was a, he yeah. was a Patriot supporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So his wealth is is my wealth as far as I'm concerned. Oh, is that right? That's right. <laughs> so whatever he's earning, you're earning it. You're helping him earn. That's right. So if he's going Got to it. spend, you know, a thousand dollars a month at Richie <laughs> Alexander's garage and Chuck Wall and do all that stuff, that's right. He's got to run it through you first. Make sure it's okay. You do, Jay, you tell me. All right, logically, okay. The dude's 55 years old. Does it? He does so 40 something track days a year. Does it make sense to go to Chuck Wall at a race, or would you rather spend your money and go do track days, especially those? What, what, what's the name of the, the the SoCal track days where it's an open day and everybody yeah, regulates themselves it. on speed? I mean, that is the absolute best. Best. It's great. No, look, yeah. but 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 if he wants but, to but, but, race, or if he wants to. Not Jump right. out of an airplane? Who are you to say? No, I, I I have an opinion. Guess what? I have a podcast, which means I also have an opinion, right? So <laughs> I'm just saying he can make his own decisions. He's a big boy. I mean, just, just because he used on, to beat the shit out of me, Jeff White, as, as he should, he should still. Dude, I was talking with somebody the other day, and they were telling me, oh, you know who it was? It was it was Ollie. I was talking to Ollie, and. You know, he and Jeff White are best friends now, and I guess they're going to get matching tattoos, Oliver Co. <laughs> Something yeah. like that, right? Because I called Ollie and said, hey, enough enough with you being friends with Jeff White. I've had it. And We've um, all got that call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah every We've all got that call. Every one of you. <laughs> Maybe not Corey, because I think Jeff White's at actually at Hudson Valley Motorcycles right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so we were talking about stuff, and he's like, Jeff's a great guy. And I go, Ollie, he used to beat me up as a kid. And he's like, mm-hmm. ah. What's the big deal? My sister threw me out of the window one time. I go, what? <laughs> Apparently, his sister, he gets a call from a friend of his that says, I'm listening to the radio right now, and your sister is on the radio. She called into the radio show, and she's telling the story about how uh, you, she at three years old, she had you hanging out of the window with a sheet. He was holding on to a sheet. She was trying to lower him down, and she just mm-hmm. let the sheet go, and he hey, hit the deck. That's how he got down there. So then Ollie goes, what has Jeff White done to you? I go, what is Jeff White? Did I tell you about the time when Jeff White ran me over with a car? Did I tell you about the time when Jeff White threw a dart and it hit me right in the right in the, in the the shoulder from across the basement? Did I tell you about the time he threw a pot of hot boiling rice on my back? Like, where where where, 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 where do I have to start? <laughs> and you yet you mean? still want to combat him on what do you think he should and shouldn't do? How do you, That's he might right. just beat your ass the next time he sees you. Nah, he's too old now, man. He'll snap he's, like a twig. He's too nice, too. He's such a nice guy. Easy. He turned guy. into a nice guy. All right. You should have grown up with him. All right. I got to call my therapist. <laughs> I got to hey, go. I got I, I, I got to go. go call my therapist. So why go. don't you just say goodbye to everybody? All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, what is there this week? Testing, I think, in Australia. Um, possibly. If you're going to go ride this weekend, be safe. If you're at Buttonwell, come say hi. And uh, I'll see you guys all at Chuck Walla the following week. Later, G Dub. I I just got to go.